press play on the inside inside sales show powered by the sales iq network my name is daryl prale i'm your host and you my friend well you and i we're going on a journey every single week talking to the industry's most accomplished sales legends as they share with us their tips their tricks their techniques and their tactics to become sales rock stars you simply need to do what they're doing and you will achieve similar nirvana if you like to laugh you like to be entertained if you like to go off on tangents and tell stories you're gonna love what you're gonna hear next sit back relax it's gonna get real How is everybody doing today? Welcome, my friends, to another episode, a killer, kick-ass, in-your-face, let's-get-real episode of the Inside, Inside Sales Show. You realize that the highlight, the highlight of my show, I have a one-two punch highlight. The number one highlight, it's just that first five minutes when I get to talk to you and I get to catch up and get to share stupid stories. And I know you're all secretly fast forwarding, but I'm okay with that because it's more for me than it is for you. And then the second part is when I bring on my guest. Now, my guest today, I, full disclosure, he's, he's an imposter. He's not very good. He doesn't know a thing or two, but everyone's talking about, you know that friend that wants to tag along and they want to be with the cool kids and you do it at a charity? Well, that's going to be our friend today. I may be lying. I may be just busting his chops right now. I've been known to do that. You can be the judge. And then you can tag me on social and say, Daryl, you lied. He wasn't nearly as bad as you said he was. I mean, he wasn't great, but he wasn't nearly as bad. So that's the setup for the guests. Let's, we'll wait and see when I'm done my little diatribe if he's still there or if suddenly I'm going to be doing this show by myself. So there we go. How to Win Friends and Influence People by Daryl Prale. Okay, so I have this wonderful thing going for me that almost every single one of you don't. All right, you ready for this? And, and, and you will not have it, despite how hard you try, how much money you invest, how many people you badger, you will not have what I have more than likely for years to come. Can you guess what it is that I have that 90% of you don't have? Okay, I know, you're out there shouting it at me. You're all wrong, stupid people. This is what I have that you don't have. I'm old. That's it, I said it. And no matter what you say or do, you're just not gonna catch up to me until enough time has gone by and you finally go, I remember back in the 20s when Prale said he was old. Son of a bitch, now I'm there. That's what's gonna happen, you wait, okay. What does that matter? Well, let me tell you. I want to give context. I want to give context just how decrepit and ancient I am. Okay? When I first began marketing, and marketing was kind of like a second career. Remember, I was a computer programmer for several years. And then I evolved into product management, into product marketing, and then into marketing, and then into sales. In fact, my first job, as you all know, my very, very first job was a sales job. And then I said, that's scary. Get me the hell out of here. It's a weird how life is. It's a journey. My first marketing job was in the early 1990s. What does that mean to you? Why is that relevant? Because as far as the business world is concerned, there was no such thing as the internet. I'm not, I'm not lying, kids. It didn't exist back then. 
Okay. I mean, sure, in universities and then maybe the military, DARPA, et cetera, but the B2B world or the B2C world didn't exist. No Amazon, no Facebook, no, no, no MySpace, no concept of the word SaaS. All right. In fact, before SaaS, there was ASP. Just I'll give you the acronym. You look it up. What the hell does that mean? And in that time, we did things very differently. So for example, if I wanted to reach you via advertising, which I can do today on a Google or a social media, and I get real-time analytics, and I get all this great insight, I get this great technology that it's just like mind-blowingly incredible, and I can optimize and change on the fly. I can, I can change my creative at the drop of a hat. Does anybody drop hats anymore? Just a question. I could do that. Whereas back then, what I had to do was I would call up a graphic designer. They would whip me up like 10 different advertising concepts. They would come to my physical space, pre-work from home, and on foam core, stiff backer boards, they'd have printed off in black and white because color printers didn't exist. Or they would have hand-drawn these advertising concepts. And I would look at them as they leaned on the floor or on a window ledge, or they'd be on a boardroom table. And everybody would gather around and we would point and, and, and gesture and say, I like this, don't like that. Maybe take, you know, number one and number seven and put them together and do this and make a, you know, Frankenstein out of it, whatever. That's how we did it. And then when we would finally select the ad, it would go to print. And like a month later, the magazine would appear. How I got a response to know that you reacted to that advertising was we had bingo cards. I'm not making this up. So in the back of the magazine, there would be an insert stapled into the magazine. And you would have to look up the vendor. Uh, so in my case, say Agorapulse. And you say, oh, Agorapulse was on page 42, the ad. And you would punch it. It's a punch card. Or you would check it with your pen. And you would fill out your name and your number. And you would rip it out. And it was prepaid, postage paid, free. And you would drop it into a mailbox and that would go to the magazine publisher who would then compile all these and then call me up and they would fax me a list of all the names that I need to follow up with for information. And that, my friends, was leading edge marketing using advertising. And that was how my sales reps got their quote unquote inbound leads. It's dramatic. It's incredible how life has changed. I could go on. It's just one example. And that was what we did every single time. Like you probably don't even know this. The biggest part of my marketing job whenever we had a product release was the bomb, the B-O-N, the bill of materials. Why? Because the bill of materials said, this is the box that the CDs and the printed manuals and whatever cards, the partner advertising is all going to go into and be sent it to production. These are stupid things that don't exist anymore. But the reality was everybody made a shitload of money. Millionaires were made. People's lives were changed. And life was grand. And when we look back on that, we say, how could you ever do that well? And I would tell you that I learned more in that process than I ever do today. And I still fall back on the lessons learned then because I had that experience that you don't have available today. So what do we have? We have the world that you live in, and we had the world that I lived in. This is old versus new. This is old school versus new school. This is white hair versus not white hair. Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? 
then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Go to VanillaSoft.com. So with that, how does all that relate to sales? And I thought to myself, who do I know who has neither not white hair or white hair? And I thought, Greg Mahan, he's got no hair. He's the right guy to come in and talk to us about where you're over-relying on technology and where maybe a little bit of old school is going to give you more immediate success. He is a senior sales strategy consultant with Scale Consulting. Scale Consulting creates the future of sales with weekly tactical sales advice, LinkedIn insights, and just general all-around goodness. You can check him out on LinkedIn. You can go to Scale Consulting at Scaled with a K-S-K. ALED.com to learn more about what they do. He is my good friend all the way from Kuala Lumpur. Greg, how are you doing today? I am very well. That was a hell of an introduction. <laughs> and basically, I love what you said. I was like, are you straight out of the movie, Glengarry Glen Ross? Is that what it is? <laughs> have you seen uh, have you seen that? Surely. Always you've seen be that. selling, brother. Always be selling. All right. But always be able to see this watch. Always be closing, always be selling. <laughs> this watch is Same worth thing. more than your car. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Good to see you, man. How are you? I am well. I have missed talking to you. Greg and I, so when I was the chief revenue officer of Vanillasoft, Greg and I met online. I can't remember how it was social, community, whatever. Or more than likely, he reached out to me because I'm shy and insecure. And I did, I did. Sorry to cut you off. I, so I saw you on a podcast and you had this incredible kind of red velvet backdrop and a podium yes. that, you were speak, that you were speaking from. And I was like, yes. who is this guy? He, he's got no idea what he's talking about, but I, I, like, I like what he's talking. He's like, okay, so you have an like like affinity with red velvet backdrops and maybe some... <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm just not, I'm I, going to stop right there before this gets dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> so that's... that's where, and so we showed him, like we, like we do in this community of ours. And then, and then we became very good friends and would often call and vent with one another as CROs about our frustrations or our challenges or our issues with our respective sales teams. So Greg is actually a really talented guy. And, uh, oh, and I love we were talking to Greg and I said, what's, pa what, you know, what's your passion these days? And he said, ah, Daryl, it's, it's technology versus, you know, the hard skills. And I, as we talked about it, I'm like, dude, this is old school versus new school. This is what this is. So let's just go have some fun. Do it. Let's let's see what Greg has to say. What's the bee in his bonnet? Greg, where do you want to start on this? Is there a topic specifically? Is there a setup you want to deliver? Talk to me. I nearly got fired twice when I first really got into sales. Let's start with that. Is that a, is that a good kickoff point? That's like that's like as uh, as clickbaity as you can get. I nearly got fired twice before I got in and as I got it early on into sales. Read more. <laughs> Do I read more or not? Of course I'm going to read more. Tell me, Greg. Yeah, I mean, that whole intro is very clickbaity, but we'll take it. So <laughs> in... The whole point is to keep them engaged, my friend. I think we're going to struggle with that one today. So in, 20, in 2010, naively accepted a job over here in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, just because it was new and it was a, a foreign place to be. And it was a sales job. I didn't know what I was really getting into. And... When I arrived, I arrived on January, when is it? I flew out on January 1st, landed January 2nd. And then my first day on the job was Monday, January 4th, 2010. And essentially my first day on the job was being given a photocopied piece of paper with some names and telephone numbers on it. And somebody giving me a phone 
and saying, call these people and make me some money. And he was like, okay, welcome to Malaysia, welcome to sales. And that was it. So the tech stack that we had was, I posted about this. It's a, I had a, a phone. It was actually a, hand, a handheld phone. Not one of these walk around ones or a headset or anything like that. I've got a fancy setup now with a great mic and all this kind of stuff. None of that. It's a phone with a cord on it. It was basically like a, it's bomb proof. It was a tank of a phone. You just slam it down all the time. I had that. I had a, an Excel spreadsheet on a, on a, it was like a desktop computer that used to make a hell of a noise when you started it up. We had Microsoft Outlook and that was it. And then it was like, okay, well, go and call some people and basically sell financial services over the phone. Fill your boots. There was no onboarding. There was no training. There was no tech stack. There was no playbook. It was basically, when I, when I got on that plane from the UK and came into Malaysia, it was like flying back in time. So whilst you have all the gray hairs in the world, I'm going to top you on this one, Daryl. I've got zero hair from kind of here. <laughs> oh, this is, and and it was that it was that experience. And I'm basically, I was just trying to kind of found my way. And then I nearly, again, I was just really bad at my job. Here you go, Daryl. Here's one for you. I used to drink so much coffee and so much water that I would spend all my time either in the cat in the pantry or in the bathroom. And the reason why I did that was because I didn't want to make any cold calls. And that, and, that, and that was it. That was, the only, that was the only reason why I did it. And then, you know, fast, fast forward, once I started to kind of, I, I helped the office move. We moved offices and I found this thing by a guy called Alan Pease. And I talk about him all the time. And it was how to make it. I'm just, I'm just trying to find now my bookshelf, how to make appointments by telephone. And that changed the game for me. And that was the only thing I was equipped with. The only thing I was equipped with was a, a method, a way and a phone. And that, and that was it. And then I went from nearly being fired twice. In fact, I had to fly back to the UK for personal reasons one time. And then I flew back to Malaysia. And the guy I was working for at the time, he said to my, my CEO, he said, I want to wait for Greg to get back in the office. And what I want to do, I want to box all his stuff up on a desk. And as soon as he walks through the door into the office, I want to, I want to give him the box and tell him to get out. And I want to take him to the airport, get him on a plane and send him back to the UK. That's the kind of environment that I, that I was working with. So empathy, nah, forget it. Nothing like that. It was, a, it was a very cutthroat environment. And then when I found this thing, I basically started to call people and implement this new methodology that I, that I found. And I started to book meetings. And that was it. Then I just started to do really, really well. So that's a long way around of saying you don't need a lot to be a success. What I heard you say is old school, you were going to live or die. And there's no, there's, there's no sensitive, politically correct, endearing, supportive, encouraging environment. Old school was like, <laughs> here's a bloody phone, a half ass piece of computer and a list. Whereas mm -hmm. new school, we fully expect, we fully expect to be trained for at least three to four weeks. Typically lots of onboarding. We're going to have a slow ramp, partial ramp, maybe the first three months because we can't make commissions because we don't have a pipeline. So we want to be compensated mm -hmm. for that. It's as well, we expect initially to, to have marketing send us all the leads because we have nothing to work ourselves because we don't have a network. We're just brand spanking new. And where else can I go on this? Well, we expect every single tool in the book because, you know, we want we want AI copywriting. We want the best sequencing and cadence, you know, sales engagement platform. We want the world's best database, like a Zoom info or something. We want to have every single phone call recorded and then telling us what we do as our next steps. And we want 
we demand, nay, nay, you bought a book. We demand the sales, the company or the sales leadership to train us on all the sales skills because if I'm not succeeding, it's because you didn't equip me. And if you don't like it, I'm taking my LinkedIn profile and I'm leaving this company. I'm going to the next company's going to do it for me. <laughs> is, is that what you're saying to me? The bit of a difference between, you know, time periods or expectations as a sales pro? Expectations. Expectations. All right. A hundred percent. So I think when you, when you approach it, you know, you, you, you land in your job and you get your swag and you get your MacBook and then you get the technology onboarding and then you get the playbooks and the role plays and you get everything kind of handed, handed to you for you to do an awesome job. And I'm not disputing that. Companies are great no. at doing that. And I think right now they should, right? They, if the tools are there, then they should be implemented well. And once they are, perfect. But I think people doesn't over-reliance of salespeople on the technology. Technology doesn't work. I can't get the right email address. I can't, I'm only getting through to gatekeepers, so I can't speak to anyone. That's why I didn't hit pipeline, or that's why I didn't hit quota. Or, you know, I can't hit my number because I don't have X, Y, and Z. Okay. Now, this is, this is going to be a polarizing thought. Okay, and so don't say it. You, don't say it, but okay. hold it, because I want to say something. I'm going to hold it. We're about... We're, Folks, this is, we're in a transition stage right now. We're going to bridge from the middle ground to the latter half of the book, just so you understand what's going on. And really what Greg has just set up for you is to say, you probably have a lot of excuses. And if you want to be successful in the career, like he's been successful, you had to ditch those bloody excuses. And now we're going to give you some tough love. We're going to be polarizing. See, that was my soft, gentle narrator voice. Okay, over to you. Carry it on. Polarize us, baby. Do the work. Literally do the work. Right. When I, when I was doing this sales thing, and I'm all for mental health and mental well-being, I'm a huge advocate, and I, I appreciate that people go through tough times. When I was in this job, it was basically you do the job or you get sent home. Literally not sent home around the corner, sent home on a plane. So it was, kind of, it, it was sink or swim. Again, it's not for everybody. I picked up different territories so that I could get into work at 6 a.m., and I can then do my prospecting, literally, finding people online and copy and pasting their information into an Excel spreadsheet. That was at 6 a.m. Then because of the because of the, the territories that I was covering, covering, it meant I could call from 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. because in the area that I was calling, it was actually 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. So by the time I got to 9 a.m. where I was in my local time zone, I could then start calling my local time zone. And then when they went on lunch, I could go back to the other time zone. And then there was another time zone I picked up because then I could keep on calling through to 10 p.m. So my day looked like a 6 a.m. till 10 p.m. And then when 10 p.m. came around, I would actually start to build upon my database for the next day. And that was it. Just everyone talks about there's no substitute for hard work. What is it? Hard work trumps talent when talent doesn't work hard. It's true, even in sales. It just, it just is. So you can have all the tools in the world, but if you're equipped with the right skills to pick up the phone and make the calls and do that consistently over and over and over again and battle through and be persistent and overcome those objections and that rejection, you're just going to win. doesn't matter how many tools that you have or don't have. You're just going to be prepared to go through that. And that's the, that's the thing. You've got to work hard. You've got to do those additional hours. Isn't, I've always said sales is not 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. For me, it just isn't. It's just not the, it's just not the job. There you go. That's All right. it. That's my two cents. So I'm, I'm feeling very polarized right now. I don't know. Are you guys still listening oh, yeah. or did you tune out? Did you leave? Do, 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 course, do you want to sit down? Do you want to take a minute? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. 
I have that thought in my head. I was going to ask if anybody's still listening and you're feeling pissed off at Greg, I love it. And if you need a hug, I'm sending <laughs> virtual hugs your way. Okay. So let's, right now, you know, there's a whole bunch of people right now saying, this is two old guys bitching and moaning about the old days. There's no value in this episode. Greg is substantially younger than I am. I want to be clear about that. And he's looking ruggedly handsome for those watching the video. Oh, thanks, man. So let's, let, let's have some fun with this. Okay. You know, Greg is a sales rock star consultant right now. He can make you better. That's what he does. He's a former chief revenue officer. So he's, you know, he's, he's been in your shoes. He's been a sales rep. He's been a CRO. I'm a former CRO. So let's talk a little bit about what I would call excuses that the, I would get these on a regular basis. And, mm -hmm. the, and the answer was always, but that excuse goes away, Daryl, if you had bought us this piece of technology. All right. And therefore let's, and, and then I would have to rebut. And again, this is a tough love episode, folks. This is a, you have to park the excuses. And let me make sure I'm clear when I say that. When you give those excuses, you're actually not doing yourself a favor. 100%. What you're saying to your leaderships is, is that you're not committed. It says that you don't necessarily have what it takes. Now, you can have a discussion without it being an excuse. In other words, you can say, you know, I will do this. I'm fine. If we had this piece of technology, I anticipate an X percent improvement in my productivity, which will result in more, you know, Y percent more pipeline, which will result in Z percent more deals closed in revenue. And if you want to consider that, maybe we get a trial and we A-B test it. But in the interim, I'm just sharing with you my problem. But you know, here's what I'm going to do. So I'll work through the excuses I get. Oh, I have got. Okay. So one of the biggest excuses I got was, I, that's two top of mind. <clears throat> one is the data isn't good. It doesn't have all the data I need to contact this person. Or if it does have it, all it has is a phone number to their main switchboard or to a gatekeeper. I do not have, and I do not have their mobile numbers. So how can I get a hold of these people? I, my, my, my connection rate, my conversations suck because the contact information marketing or sales ops is giving me sucks. That's the excuse. To which I respond, and then Greg would love your answer. I'm sorry. Maybe you're not aware. There was a date <laughs> not too long ago when none of this existed. And Greg ironically opened up and talked about that. Here's a piece of paper. You've heard past guests say they, they were given a phone book and they start making your calls, right? And the reality is, I remind them, you're all given a base salary plus commissions. So you have an OTE, right? Mm -hmm. The base salary is not because your employer is just a generous group of people. The base salary says, we recognize you're going to have to put some work in. So as part of the base salary, if you get to the switchboard, we expect you to say things like, Oh, I'm sorry. It's not you. Great. Can you tell me who does that? And how would I get a hold of Susie? What's her email? What's her phone number? Or you go to LinkedIn and then would you, if they don't give you anything, you look for it. You look for the job or the title and then you do a personal connection, but you actually put the time in to do a little bit of research, a little bit of investigation on your own. So number one for me was the bad data excuse. Number two for me is the marketing's not giving me enough leads excuse. And that's why I miss my number to which I say to you, if you're just a trained monkey who are taking credit cards for leads that marketing gives you, 
I can do that with a much more affordable resource. I need you to either find your own leads or take the leads that marketing gives you and, and grow the opportunity size. In other words, multi-thread the account, do proper discovery, do, you know, personalize your messaging based on the persona, the contact title that you're reaching out to, as opposed to just taking the call and say, oh, you want two seats? Okay, here, your credit card, boom, here's the, here's the order, done. That doesn't help me, doesn't help you. So those are my two laments on technology versus excuses versus what I would call core sales skills. Any comments on that? And if none, where would you go? What are your laments that you hate when it comes to excuses? <sighs> bad data. I remember the bad data days. I remember them very well, just calling and then getting fax machine numbers or getting, I remember making these calls and you used to get that noise with the 56K dial-up internet. You're like, what the, <laughs> what the hell number, is, what, what is this? What and then it's just like, okay, well, now I need to, like you said, I've got to go and do this research. I've got to find that reception number, that main, main switchboard number. And that's what we used to do. That's what we used to have to do. And then we used to have to work with the gatekeepers to see if they could help you out and put you in touch with the right people or the right department. And then you work on your sales skills to actually navigate there. And if they're not available, that particular prospect you're trying to get a hold of is there somebody else that you can talk to in their office. Is there personal assistant available to have a conversation with, to run some ideas past them, to see if it's relevant to their executive. I think when we start to kind of over-index on this technology side of things, it's like, okay, we're going to rely on, you know, the Zoom infos, the Apollos of the world to give us this information, and it stops there. They can't give us this information, therefore it's not available anywhere, and therefore I'm going to move on to the next lead. It's like, okay, but what if you actually spent a little bit of time to then do some research? and then actually pick up the phone and speak to the gatekeeper or actually call a number and then see the last four digits of the number and then trying a different combination of numbers just to see if you can actually get through to that department. Because the numbers are there. I mean, if you have a look on a website, it's a whole host of different numbers that you can actually call. So bad data, we didn't have any of this technology when we were making calls over here. There was nothing available to us. So we had to get creative. We had to find a way to get in touch with people. So there is always a way around. And I think, I just want to say, take, a, take a step back here, Mr. Darrell, if that's okay. As a salesperson, you are fully accountable for your number. That's it. And as soon as you take accountability and responsibility for that number, you're going to go out of your way to make sure you hit that number. As soon as you start either making excuses or trying to find a way out of getting towards that number and pointing fingers about all these things that you didn't have, you then kind of shut down your creativity about how you're actually going to achieve that number. And that's going to be the death of your pipeline. It, it really, really is. So I think Jocko Willink calls it extreme ownership. If you take full ownership of that number and you treat your pipeline like it's your own business, you will find a way to get hold of these people, to actually talk to them. Because by the way, you owe it to them as well. If you're selling something that's really awesome and can solve them a bunch of different problems and help them sleep better at night, it's on you. It's your duty to try and get hold of them and tell them this story so they can hear it. Because otherwise, your competitor is going to find a way. That's it. That was number one, right? Bad data. What was the second one that you mentioned, Mr. Darrell? Marketing. I don't have enough leads for marketing. Or they're not qualified. Oh, leads. that's whatever. <laughs> you're in sales. If you're, if you're an SDR sales development rep or an AE and you don't have enough leads, find them. There you go. Full stop. <laughs> it's like, for, for me, coming from the background I came from, the, the marketing side of things, it was a cherry on top. 
And relying on yourself to have those sales skills to build your own pipeline is basically just good business practice. That's why when you go from an SDR to an AE to a director to VP to SVP to CRO, these are all skills that you carry with you. The ability to communicate either like this or over the phone, you need to develop these skills. Marketing, not giving you enough leads. Honestly, for me, they were always just a cherry on top. It was up to me to develop my own pipeline. That's how we're going to hit your number. But I suppose, can I caveat this a little bit? It depends on how yes. the KPIs have actually been set by, by management. If they're saying, you know, 50% is going to be allocated by marketing, 50% is going to be, you know, self-generated, then there's a conversation to be had. But realistically, if I'm thinking about my own pipeline and my own quota, my own targets, I'm going to be thinking, I need to go out there and make this happen for myself. And then anything else that comes in from marketing is going to be that cherry on top that's going to take me way over the line. There you go. That's my very long two cents on those two subjects. Anything you want to deep dive on, anything you agree with, don't disagree with, hit me. Come on, Daryl. What have you got? I mean, this is your your passion. I I told you my my two biggest beefs. I guess the last thing I have, and everybody who listens to the show know this is a really, really big beef of mine, mm. which is people whose excuses is because, you know, you haven't trained them. And, and I am a firm believer that you invest in yourself. If your employer pays for training for you, that's just like cherry on top. And kind of, as you just talked about, if marketing gives you a lead, that's bonus, right? Mm -hmm. But the excuse that I'm underperforming because you've not trained me on how to be a better sales rep, and that's your responsibility. Above and beyond the base salary you're giving me and all the benefits you're giving me and everything else, that's your responsibility. And I just find, I, I say bullshit. You know, is, does, does the photographer hire his client and say, hey, will you lend me your camera so I can take your photos? No, the photographer invests in their own gear. They invest, they, they go spend hours learning a new lens, learning a new body. They go and practice different settings in different environments. They are constantly studying. That's what a photographer does because it's their craft. They live and die by how well they know their craft. Word of mouth by how well they know their craft. Inbound by how well they know their craft. Reps, enough with the excuses that you've not been trained and it's our fault. That's my opinion, Greg. Oof, that, I mean, talk about polarization, man. That's, uh, I agree. I think for all, as, as kind of leaders and managers, we want to do as much as we possibly can to train our reps to the best possible way we can so they can perform as well as they can. However, as leaders and managers in a remote environment, sometimes we're gonna drop the ball. We're gonna miss coaching moments. We're gonna miss those moments where you should have negotiated like this, or you should have made this call, or this activity would have been better. So who's, whose fault is that? If, if your leadership and your management are giving you these things and the, you're, you're, you're still missing your number, realistically, ask yourself, what are you doing to help yourself? To, to better yourself, not so you can just do better for the job and, you know, hit your target. But really, like you said, take pride in your craft. Like I do. I, you know, I, I think forever I'm going to read and learn as much as I can about sales and revenue and leadership. Like I've got about three or four books around me right now that I'm, that I'm leading on. Most recent one, Todd Capone, The Transparency Sale. I'm going to drop this in. Yes. I love that book. That was a, one of the most recent ones I read. And I his, his bit on negotiation, the four levers and how he presents it in that client meeting is legit. I love it so much. That's, that's a really awesome book. 
But for me, I always took pride in my my profession as a as a salesperson. I didn't again the training that was provided, if any, through the company was that cherry on top. But really for me, I wanted to do better for myself, that self-development, that self-learning. I'm all about that. And that's how you get better. That's how you separate yourself from a pack. Because, you know, there's this 80-20 law. There's a reason why like 80% of your business comes from 20% of your reps. What are those 20% doing? They're going out and making themselves better. They're not relying on other people because they're fully accountable for how well they're gonna do. They put in, as they say, the hard, yards and it takes a long time it doesn't happen overnight i am fully with you on this one mr prale so let's let's kind of recap we're we're not gonna keep on beating a, a dead horse i think you guys have all kind of <laughs> got the gist of this this episode but i want to recap a couple of things greg said i want to be there to support you i want to give you the training i want to give you the tools like i want you to be successful greg said that you know i'm the same way when i ne- negotiate a, a sales leadership role the first thing i say is What's my budget to invest in technology? And how well-staffed is the rep? You do have a RevOps team, right? And then how well-staffed are they, right? And we have marketing ops, sales ops, you know, et cetera. We do want to equip you. We do want to pay you well for what you do. But we don't want reps on our teams who are not committed to their own success. because. If you're that rep, you suck the life out of the team culture. I'm just shooting straight with you kids. And every single one of your reps right now who are listening to this and are saying, you're probably, if you're not, if you're not feeling a little nervous listening to this, then you're, I guarantee you, you're thinking about somebody else on your team right now. Who is that person? So your leaders want you to succeed, but you need to own it. And there are so many basic things you can do. Time blocking sounds stupid. Block your, you know, Greg talked about that, how he would work a long day and he would time block based on time zones. He talked about that, right? That's a simple thing you can do. All right. Developing your own skills. Greg talked about that. He sucked and then he bought a book and then he didn't suck. All right. That's investing in your own skills. Now, some would say he still sucks. (laughs) And, you know, who am I to argue with that assessment? Exactly. But the point is, like the photographer, so that's my last point. This is not a sales issue. This is a work integrity, work ethic issue. No matter what career, if you leave sales and go somewhere else, this same discussion will still apply. You need to own your own success. You need to overcome adversity. You need to work through the disadvantages you have. Eventually, there will come a choice where you feel like they're just being cheap or they're not investing in you or they're not committed to you. Fine, change jobs. That's not a you issue. That's a them issue. You've got permission. I want to be clear on that. But, you know, if, if you're early in your sales career, this is going to be the difference between success and not success. If you're into your sales career, you know what I'm talking about. And you're probably already thinking, who can I give this episode to to listen and hope they pick up what Greg and Daryl are putting down? So that's it. Old school, new school. Greg, tell us more about Scaled and about your incredible capabilities. I can't tell you about my incredible capabilities because I don't have any. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I got um, a podcast you should listen to. They'll help you. Oh, yeah. Do you want to recommend it to me? Which one is it? <laughs> it's the Inside Inside Sales Show. Come on, I set you up for that one, right? <laughs> I know. I took it. Scale. What do we do at Scale? We help modernize outreach. 
that's what we do. We help CROs, VP sales, CEOs, founders build and scale sales teams. So they typically come to us when they're looking to either one, modernize the sales approach that they got right now. These are kind of these larger organizations that we deal with. So we have a look at their GTM strategy, their outreach strategy, their playbooks that they have, even the technology stack that they're working with. And we have a look at the conversion metrics and all that kind of cool stuff. And then we have a look at the other side, those that are really on that precipice of scaling really fast and basically setting them up for success. When you have a look at sales process, people, technology, data, we want to make sure they've got it all in place so they can actually ramp up and really go rocket ship. That's what we do over here at Scaled Consulting. Did it do a good job? Outreach. Does that make sense? You did actually a really good job. And I was going to come oh, back thanks. in just a couple episodes ago. We had our wonderful friend Thibaut on where he was talking about outreach. I mean, what you're seeing here and a very com- different conversation altogether, but where I'm tying the two knots together between Greg and, and if you heard two episodes ago, it was Thibaut, was the importance of outreach. The importance, said another way, outreach equals prospecting equals pipe. I mean, it's as best as I can put it to you that way, right? And pipe is life. Jeb Blunt says that all the time. Pipe is life. Mr. And he's Mr. not wrong. Jeb, he is Mr. not Jeb. wrong. He is not. So funny story. I want to share a funny story and then we'll, we'll, kick, we'll kill it. I, I recently did an episode with a wonderful colleague who I met similarly to how I met Greg. Those of you missed it, it was a Victor Vatus. And Victor talked about how you can use guerrilla tactics, guerrilla techniques to get in front of sales prospects, right? In other words, it wasn't about what we talked about today. It wasn't about objection, handling, discovery. It was about being outside the box and doing something completely unexpected, right? And while I was sitting here talking to you, he messaged me, and I just wanted to share this. And he messaged me because as we record this, his episode is live this week. And, and this is what I love about a sales rep who owns their own success. All right. He said, Daryl, this was, it gives, I won't, I won't share numbers. This was my typical best performing sales sequence conversion rate where I got a reply. Here's the percentage re- reply I got. Right. And there's a number. He goes, I update it my sequence this week. And in it, I said, hey, I'd like to invite you to my podcast. So he's not selling them. He's just offering them a piece of content. Give this a listen. And like you, my good friend, Greg, he is a sales rock star and consultant and advisor. So clearly Mm -hmm. this is a chance for him to sell his own credibility. And that's all he said. And I've never had a guest come back to me and say, I took your show and put it into my sequence. His response rate, according to what he just sent me, more than quadrupled with that one line. Why do I share this? Not because Victor's a great guy and you should go listen to that episode, but because he's doing exactly what Greg talked about here, which is about owning your own success. So Victor took initiative to try to improve the response rate he was getting by trying something new, as opposed to just saying, my response rate sucks. (laughs) I love it. That's what a good sales rep does. And that is why you need to reach out to Greg. You can find him on LinkedIn. He's a good guy. I like him a lot. We'll keep him around. He's kind of fun. Thanks. You're okay too, you know, sometimes. Oh. You're the best. Everybody's right. This bromance stuff's got to stop. So on that note, we're going to stop it. That's Greg. He's with Scaled. 
Today was old school versus new school with some tough love on overcoming excuses and owning your own success. If you hated this episode, I'm sorry. If you thought this was timely and somebody in your team needs to hear it, please share it. If you think your leadership needs to hear it, because you know what? Leaders can suck too. Share it with them. But more than anything, what you need to do is share the Inside Inside Sales Show with your colleagues and your peers. Get them listening every single week because like Greg said, you need to own your own success. And that starts here at this show with the world's best, smartest people, including, reluctantly, Greg. <sighs> My name is Daryl. I'll talk to you next week. Take care, folks. Talk to you. Bye-bye.